0: Good afternoon, everyone. I'm John, and I'm Radu. And welcome to the Cost of Winning podcast, the premier basketball podcast.
1: So today, let's talk about some roster losses and um, potential gains that some teams are having because of them. Um, so the the first one that I kind of want to cover is um, with the Sacramento Kings. Dwight Powell and Willie Collie Stein are now. Uh, they've said that they will not be joining the rest of the team in their bubble. What do you think about that, John?
0: Um, well, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the last one where I thought this might end up just being somewhat of a shit show. Um, I understand the reasoning why uh, Willie Collie Stein and Dwight Powell are going to be joining their teams in Dallas. Um, there's a lot of health issues that are at risk right now. A lot of people are just worried, especially with the health and safety, not only of their family, but of themselves. And I understand why they have the idea of not wanting to come back and be participants in. Uh, the bubble that's in Florida right now, especially with certain areas getting spikes of COVID patients due to the testing. Um, So, you know, Dallas is an interesting team. Also interesting team is the Sacramento Kings, just because I believe like three of their starting five members may have uh, contracted. I know Jabari Parker has it right now, uh, has COVID and he's self-isolating right now. I know Buddy Heald and also Alex Lynn both tested. So it's uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to kind of see what happens if they're not able to join their teams in Florida as they said that they want to at this moment in time.
1: Yeah, so my bad. I meant to say uh, the the Dallas uh, Mavs for those two players. Uh, they used to be on, um, or at least Willie Colley-Stein used to be on the Kings, so that threw me off a little bit. Um, as far as the Kings for me, um, I feel like you're right. A lot of their players have – um, tested positive for COVID, so that's something to worry about. But I also think that, like, they don't really have much to gain by being in this bubble. Like, best-case scenario, they make the playoffs, and then they lose in the first round. So at the same time, like, why risk it um, from their perspective? And then the the Mavs, like, they do have something to gain just because it proves that the um, Luka Doncic and uh, Chris Stapps uh, kind of – you know, pairing uh, works. But I don't necessarily think that it's, that they're winning that much because of their kind of like rotational players. I think they just really have that good duo and there's not that many teams in the West that can really like compete with them other than the ones that are obviously going to win. So I think they have a pretty good chance of making it to the playoffs and then like losing because no one's really expecting anymore, right? I think the main thing out of this is that um like the the main kind of like four teams on each side they're going to try their best to um just kind of like i mean they they actually have a chance of winning right so they're going to put everything that they can into these games whereas the rest of the teams in my opinion are just not really going to try that hard it's going to kind of uh, like exasperate the situation where you have this mentality of either tanking for a better player or um, going to the championship and nothing really in between kind of um, having any sort of like value for your franchise unfortunately i feel like that's that's the main takeaway from the bubble from my perspective at least do you kind of agree with that or Are you
0: I, I somewhat agree i think the the biggest thing is just the idea of it. it goes beyond kind of just the the hardwood right so like with sacramento i know they're struggling in that area to get people to get tickets for uh for games i know they're struggling and maybe player retention and so making that move to a playoff team if they were to make it to the eighth seed makes a difference because now you're getting more people that maybe want to get ticket sales maybe you're getting more season ticket holders and it it makes the reasoning for them staying in sacramento uh, something bigger because I know a couple years ago it was a a kind of a debate of like should the Kings even stay in Sacramento just because it's hard mm-hmm. for them to sell tickets so them making a playoff push if they were to get the eighth seed even though I don't think that they will I agree with you um, it makes a difference from the the outer perspective of just the stuff that's on the hardwood and maybe it helps you know Walton solidify kind of what he has going forward as well but I do think you're right in terms of, you know, the Mavs and in, in terms of seeing what they offer. And I know they added Trey Burke as well to their roster as a a player that can score. Um, He hasn't had the easiest of journeys, but it, it does make it a little bit easier on them, a yeah. little bit better. Do I think that the Mavs will make the Western Conference Finals? No, but if they get at least one playoff win, I think it's a good sign for what they traded or what they gave up in order to get Porzingis.
1: I think it's going to be nearly impossible for them to man. Because think about it, the the top four seeds. Well, the top like three seeds are pretty much a lock, right? The Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets. Yeah. And then that fourth spot, like right now, it's the Jazz. But it could really be like Jazz, Thunder, Rockets. But in any case, like you're, they're only going to be able to get that if they're able to move up to the fifth spot. Like so that that one's pretty much out of uh, play for them. It's really just going to be one of, one of those three teams. And I really can't say that with those, like that single duo, they're better than any of those three teams. So like, I don't know, what what is the point? They want to make the playoffs? Yeah. But like, other than that, if they can, you know, lock that spot in, it doesn't really matter past that.
0: Uh, so, so here's where I disagree, right? And, and I'm going to make this kind of short, which is that four through seven spot where you have the Jazz, Oklahoma, surprisingly Oklahoma. Uh, the Rockets in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Rockets are that good, especially because now that their tallest player, I think, is like six, 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 seven, they've undercut them they've undercut themselves at the center position. And even though they were playing small ball towards the end before COVID happened, they were losing games. And I know like the Clippers took it to them. So they they have some issues there. Oklahoma, it depends on how healthy Steven Adams is and Utah's right there where you know they've got their own internal kind of issues and we'll see kind of what happens on the court between Donovan and Rudy Gobert because of the situation there. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Dallas did jump up and Dallas maybe has like a decent spot. I mean, that what is it? The 4-5 matchup starting off if they ended up being faced against Utah or Oklahoma, I could see them pulling off a win.
1: I mean, that's true if, but they're like 4 games behind actually. So they would have to do they would have to gain four games on at least two of those teams, which I just think is not very statistically possible.
0: Mm, it it all depends on, again, and and it comes back to what we, you know, how we start this, who decides to come and who decides to play. And again, I know what Adam Silver kind of said starting off where he's like, if there's a significant um, uptick in COVID, they might call this all off. Now, the question that I have, you know, regarding all of this is, are we talking about the number of players that contract COVID? Or are we talking about if a significant star, God forbid, someone like LeBron James contracts and they're just like, nope, we're not even going to try to go this route. We're just going to shut this down.
1: Well, on that topic, uh, Jokic does have it. And he's, you know, not not necessarily LeBron's status, but he's a top 10 player. So it's like pretty close. He's got it, but right
0: now I, I, he's got it. But I think right now he's in, he's still in Serbia, right? Like he's in.
1: I am not sure about that. I didn't think so.
0: I, I thought he was still back in his home country. So I thought he was there. But in any case, I don't believe he's in the bubble right now. So because he's not in the bubble, it's a little bit easier. But if like someone were to contract it inside the bubble, that's that like a marquee name. I can see Silver being like, you know what? It's not worth it for the restart at the end of this year. Just shut it down. Just shut it all down now. We'll just call it a wash. You know, it, it's we never thought something would be worse yeah. than the lockout of 99, but kind of here we are right now. So it it's troubling. And I know that there's a lot right. of players that have kind of like, even when we talk about, um, you know, Portland, for a perfect example, how Melo was saying, like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. Um, I know that. Trevor Ariza mm-hmm. has said for family issues, he's not coming back. So right now we're kind of sitting at the players that contractive, and I believe Malcolm Brogdon as well from um, Indiana ended up getting contracting the virus as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking to see where we're going. I think for the most part right now they're trending upwards in the direction that they want to go. But it, it's on thin ice, this whole replacement situation of like right. – is it is it worth it? Is it worth it for the whole time? Because I even know like one person I know you and I were looking to see who was going to get signed would be uh, Boogie Cousins. And he was just like, Nope, I'm not even going to try it. I'm sitting out. I'm good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I agree that it they're kind of like on thin ice and especially with like the uptick in um, cases in Florida and also just apparently something close to like six percent of players have tested positive as well. And they just haven't released uh, all of those names. It can certainly get out of hand really quickly. I feel like maybe there's not too much concern right now, though, because the bubble isn't set to start for like a month. So technically, a lot of these players could um, recover in time and then, you know, they, they don't really have to worry too much about it. I think you're right, though, that like if this were to happen in the bubble and like now you get like 10 percent of players in the bubble that have it or something like that. Yeah, like that's going to be a situation where they they try to shut it down for sure. Um, especially with like, um, I heard that like the, the Disney workers, um, don't really have to quarantine themselves. They can kind of enter and leave the bubble. That's like a really, um, kind of, um, you know, just like it, it leaves like an open door for like the, the virus to kind of like come in and out, even though they're trying to be safe, but at the same time, you can't really force everyone to uh, live in that bubble for, you know, months at a time.
0: No, I completely agree. And then I think that adds kind of an added ideas like, how is this going to go? And like, how is it? How's the transition to Florida going to mm-hmm. overall work out with, you know, all the different players that are now? And then I know they're talking about once they get there, they've got the two weeks to kind of get themselves ramped up before they they start, especially with the new addition players. How is that going to go for them?
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Real quick, though, one last guy that I want to talk about, Avery Bradley. Um, he's not going to join the Lakers in the bubble. Um, thoughts on uh, LeBron potentially giving Jr. Smith another shot?
0: sign directions on like which way the basket is. Like that's like. Look, <laughs> I'm I'm not a big fan of Jr. Smith post Denver. Um, I think he, to me, he he kind of skated. You know, luckily he's got that ring, but Mm -hmm. I I don't think that J.R. Smith is the answer to Avery Bradley, especially how good of a defender Avery Bradley is. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess he's kind of like one of the, I guess, what you got that's out there. So you're just going to take it and and see where you could kind of go out of there. At this point, I would, instead of signing J.R. Smith, I would rather move somebody to playing the two. And I would just sign someone like Jamal Crawford or somebody and just be like, I think that's another I mean, option.
1: yes, actually, there's no reason Jamal Crawford is unsigned right now. He's a fantastic player that's still free agent. Um, however, he, their team is too large, man, like just tall and lanky. They can't move someone to the two. They need a, a short guy. I don't think J.R. Smith is necessarily the answer, but I think the, the good news kind of is that they the the rest of the teams in the bubble are. Uh, there's just going to be less competition against the Lakers, I think. So you know, like they're losing out on on a great player, but I think ultimately it probably doesn't hurt their chances too much. All right. Um. So moving on to to the next seg- segment here, we want to talk through kind of like three matchups that we um uh, thought were pretty interesting. Now that the um the the eight games for or you know just the the upcoming schedule for uh for these like eight games is kind of set in stone. So the first one that we want to try and talk about is um, Miami versus Denver happening um, August 1st. What do you like about this matchup, John?
0: So first off, I'm interested to see kind of Jamal Murray, how he's going to do. And I'm interested to see if Michael Porter Jr. is going to be the Michael Porter Jr. that we saw. I think he dropped like 40 points earlier in the year during a game. And so he's had a lot of health issues this season. He was one guy that I was very high on Uh, Last season in Fantasy, even this season in Fantasy, I kind of picked him up and dropped him quite a bit because I I like what he brings, but his health has been such an issue. But they need him to come through if they're gonna have a chance in the West because they need his length and they need his three-pointing shooting ability to be able to Mm -hmm. do something. Um, I'm interested as well to see like the on the boards matchup where you've got Bam down there, I'm interested to see that the matchup of the bigs. There's not really a a matchup anymore of like big players like bruisers down there, and I'm kind of interested to see how Bam is going to fare against Nikola. Like I I just think that this is just going to be a very interesting setup, especially after he's dropped forty pounds.
1: Yeah, um, I like this matchup a lot because both of these teams are pretty young, yet they're like doing very well i know that like denver last year i think underperformed in the uh playoffs but i think with another year of experience for a lot of their young guys i think this should be a much better um opportunity for them um and i think that they've you know just like learned a lot from from their mistakes and they've um kind of uh upgraded their roster a little bit with some of these moves including um michael porter jr like you were talking about So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup to me because both of these teams have a chance of seeing uh, the finals um, and they're just really exciting to watch. Um, And I think, you know, for like Jimmy uh, Butler, for example, I think the quarantine is actually going to be like really good for his like work ethic, if you will, just because there's nothing else to focus on. Um, And that's kind of like the player that he is. He's just, you know, all right, let's get in the gym. Let's do this. Um, so I think you're going to see, um, some really great performances from him. And I, I, you know, especially if Jokic can get healthy, I think you'll see something similar from him too. Um, and then the Jokic and Bam matchup, um, like you mentioned, is just interesting because they're kind of in a way, similar players. Um, they're, they're both like point center kind of players. Um, and you're, you're going to be able to see a lot of, um, you know, just like awesome passes to, like, little men that are just kind of, like, diving through and, and uh, energetic.
0: So here's the thing. Like, I was even kind of going back looking at Miami, and I know right now Miami is – I want to make sure I, I get this right in terms of seeding. They're the fourth seed. Mm-hmm. Do you think that – because I look at, you know, Bam, Jimmy Butler, um, Tyler – is it Tyler Hero, correct? Tyler Hero? Um yeah. And – Kendrick Nunn can be such an X factor. I think they Mm -hmm. might be the best team in the East. Like, I know the Bucs are really Mm. good, but they've got the size to kind of really move things around and they're young and they can get moving. Um, And again, I know like Giannis is coming back from that kind of the knee surgery. We're kind of seeing how that's going to be. But I think like sneakily they can be the best team in the East and I think they can come out of the Eastern Conference.
1: I mean, I think they can too. That's why I was saying they can see each other again in the finals. Um, I think those four teams that you, that, you know, the top four seeds so Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and Heat, I think they all have a chance. I don't think anyone else on the East has a chance. And I think, like, I, I think you're kind of right. Like the Bucks are the first seed right now, but that doesn't necessarily give them that much of an advantage. I I feel like all four of these teams are pretty much equal. I you know, I'm. I, I would expect any of them to to have a good opportunity to make it. I don't um, and give kind too of on
0: much the to Toronto, I don't. Even though like they've done a great job, I mm-hmm. just I don't see it. I don't. I
1: mean, they did lose a lot, but I don't know. Uh, Siakam is doing really well, man.
0: Yeah, he is. He's doing extremely well, but like that's about it. Because like Marcus He's been off and on injury through the season, and I I think he gave his all last year and it paid off. But I think just mm-hmm. in terms of playoffs, I just don't see Toronto really making a push. I could see them losing in the first round, actually, as a possibility. But I just don't see them making, like, the Eastern Conference Finals. I just don't see it.
1: Mm, I don't know. We'll have to disagree on that one. Um, let's move on to the next matchup, though. Memphis versus um, New Orleans Pelicans on um, August 3rd.
0: What so, do you think like about this matchup? So that's a really loaded matchup. I know it's a matchup a lot of people have been looking for, especially because you have um, two of the top five players taking the last year's draft, um, two electrifying young guys, especially the fact that they play in the same conference is what makes it really interesting. Um, much respect to David Griffin, and I was kind of thinking about this question of mm-hmm. if in his first year, I believe this is Griffin's first year, the – uh, New Orleans Pelicans make it to the playoffs. Does this guarantee him basically GM of the year? Because he came into an organization that's been super struggling the past couple years, especially with the absence of Anthony Davis leaving and going to LA and he's come in and he's like, you know what, even though our marquee player has left and our first round pick has had, you know, knee injuries and he, he's coming back slowly. We've been able to put together a playoff team. Um, that can somewhat compete. Now I don't think they're going to get to the Western Conference Finals, but you know what I mean like they can they can compete. And the fact that you know New Orleans has one of the most favorable matchups going forward, because only three of three out of the eight games that they play are against playoff teams. Um, I think that this is going to be a, a staple of what's to come. I'm a big fan of Ja. Um, do I think Memphis will make the eighth seed? I'm kind of teeter tottering on it because I, I do like what they have to offer but I don't know if they can just stay cohesive down the stretch.
1: Um, so to be honest, I, like the the only interesting thing about this game to me is the like Ja versus um, Zion talks, um, just trying to figure out like who's actually going to be the best like franchise player from this draft, um, which obviously like rookie of the year is gonna go to Jaw just because um, Zion hasn't played enough. But, other than that, like, th- this is going to be a, a crucial game to decide which one of these two teams is going to make the playoffs, but I don't really think that it matters outside of that. Like, it's a win if either of these teams make it, for sure, but they're going to get knocked out in the first round.
0: I mean, Yeah, I mean, look, both of them are, are young teams. It's not like they're, uh, they're teams that we're saying, like, they're perennial, like, this is a top-two team that's probably going to make the finals, but I think it's a good indicator of, like, where you are, and it's a good barometer to kind of figure out, you know, going into the offseason, what type of trades that you need to make? Who do you need to sign in terms of veterans? Or uh, maybe you do need to get younger. Maybe you're saying, you know, this is this is at the point where we've got to make a decision. Either we're going to make a hard left or a hard right. Because uh, I, I know like Drew Holiday's kind of in that mix too, playing for New Orleans, where he's kind of like, is this team even worth it? Or should I just demand a trade and try to get out of here? You know, you've got a lot of questions. And I think for this matchup, I think it's going to make it interesting just to see how good of a player Ja really is. Especially the fact that he's mm-hmm. going to be playing against Drew Holiday for a lot of the time. And Valachunas will be playing against Zion Williamson. Um, mm-hmm. Those are two guys that can step out. They can make threes, or you know, they can. They have a a nice mid-range game. So it's not going to be a game that you're banging against the boards. It's going to be who could step out and really make those shots.
1: He's also going to play against uh, Lonzo Ball. Don't don't forget about him.
0: <laughs> I right. would take Alonzo Ball's rap career over his playing basketball.
1: Oof. Um, all right, moving on to the last matchup. Uh, we got the 76ers versus Portland um, August 9th. What are your thoughts on this matchup?
0: So, look, uh, we've, we've kind of had a couple of ideas. Both teams are trying to find their identity. I think that Portland's identity is a little bit more set in stone than the 76ers. Uh, it, it it's good that they get Zach Collins back and a few other guys to kind of help out. But unfortunately, they've lost players like Trevor Ariza. I believe that Melo's not coming back. He may prove me wrong, but I don't think he's coming back. So now those <laughs> minutes that Melo played probably go to uh, Mario Hezonia. So we're trying to figure out like where they are. And like look, I think that Portland isn't as bad as a team as people make it think. I just think they got decimated with injuries early in the season, and it's hard to win games early on when you don't have your full strength of your team. Uh, So I think that they've got a a decent chance, maybe if they can make a run because they've got Dame, they've got CJ, they've got Zach Collins to maybe make a run at trying to get to the Western Conference Finals. Um, But in terms of the 76ers, they've got a lot of questions going on. And I know you and I had this discussion at the beginning of the pod, uh, when we started back a few months ago, about what are the 76ers trying to do and where are they trying to go because they were so big in terms of everybody they signed. You know, when you look at Embiid, you look at Tobias Harris, you look at Al Horford, which I don't understand the reason you signed Al, Al Horford at all. Can they really coexist? And if they don't do well in this playoffs, um, even though their schedule's not terrible, Is this the end of Brett Brown? And do you just say, you know what, Hmm. we need a new head coach. Let's blow it up. Let's see, you know, what's the field market for some players outside of our two stars? Or maybe you even, you know, Hmm. entice somebody and say, what would you give me for Ben Simmons? You know, would you give me a legitimate point guard and somebody else for Ben Simmons? Like, let's talk.
1: I think um, both of these teams are, are, so the the reason this matchup is interesting to me is because both of these teams are pretty similar in terms of their like playoff expectations. Like they both think that they can make it to the finals and they have a decent roster to do so. You're right that like Portland had a really rough start, but I think they think that was really the only thing preventing them from being a a higher seed. Um, However, I just don't think that either of them really have a chance. And I think you're right. Um, this might mean the end of Brett Brown. It might mean that they're going to look for offers for uh, Embiid. And similarly, Portland uh, might try to trade some of their uh, top players. Maybe not this year, just because they they might think, hey, you know, we just had a bunch of really bad injuries. But like, definitely next year, if they don't um, perform to the expectations, I think it's going to be a similar situation. Um, let's try and see what we can get for some of these guys, like uh, CJ McCollum for for one, at the very least. Um, and then kind of the other thing, um, like Portland potentially making the, the eighth seed here um, would just be a really interesting matchup to me against the Lakers. I think it would um, like severely um, uh, just kind of like wear them out. I think it's going to be a long series um, and I think the Lakers aren't going to be able to just kind of coast as much as they would with some of the other teams that are kind of like in that range. Um, And I think that might make future matchups a lot harder just because of, you know, the condensed timeline and the, the lack of rest that's uh, going to come from this. So I think that's like one thing to watch out, I guess.
0: So if they were to play the Lakers, I think that it's, it's crazy as it sounds, um, if Portland plays the Lakers, I think a lot of the question is going to go on like this is Anthony Davis's time to shine, right? Like Portland mm-hmm. really doesn't have like a, a great big man that's been playing all season. I do like Whiteside, don't get me wrong, but he he's he not can't athletic match enough up. To be right. He's not athletic enough. So like if they're gonna mm-hmm. win that matchup and they're gonna close it out in maybe five or six games. It's gonna be all on how good AD does, not necessarily how good LeBron is, because LeBron could probably right. be like, look, I'll just play point forward and go. I think it's gonna be like this is your time to shine to really show everybody like I'm a franchise player. Not even not the fact that somebody's doubting it, but this is the time to really prove that you are. Um, in terms of the 76ers, you know, like if you had to choose, and I know this is kind of just kind of on the spot. If you're a GM, would you field offers for Embiid or would you field offers for Simmons?
1: Um, I think like Embiid is, is a better franchise player, but I think Simmons is going to be fairly hard to trade. So um, you're not going to get something worth it for him, in my opinion. Now, you-, you could get something where it's like, what about Simmons for CJ McCollum, right? Kind of helps both teams out. And I feel like we've talked about this in the past. Uh, but other than that, I feel like it, it's just going to be kind of a hard sell to get. Sorry about that. To get um, something good for uh, Ben Simmons when he's got like some major flaws in his game, right? He does a lot of things great, but he's you really got to like build specifically around them to be successful.
0: No, I, I think we're both on the same page on that because that was something I was kind of thinking about. Uh, for a while like which one do you trade? I think the easier trade is uh Ben Simmons. Now, I think that you could still get a first for him. I think you could get a first and somebody that wants to unload some cap room, you know, to try Wait, and Sorry, you him. said the easier trade is Ben Simmons? I think the easier trade like if you're trying to move him is Ben Simmons. I think it is no way. personally. I think it's easier than Embiid because of, of his here. length. Be- well think about it. He's okay. a very athletic guy. He's got length. He could play point forward. You know it's hard to find a six nine point guard. Now you're right; the free throws are are an issue, and the three point shooting is an issue. But in terms of being able to guard someone on the perimeter, especially being that big, it makes a difference. Now, which team will do it? I don't know, but I think it's an easier trade for someone to go.
1: That's gonna be a no for me, Dung. Embiid is like one of the, probably the best center in the league right now. That just like all around. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that's really the the only thing that he has against him. And maybe like Jokic would be like up there too. Uh, maybe they're like one A and one B. But Ben Simmons is nowhere near that caliber.
0: I think you said it best. Which is the question of like, can he stay healthy? And I think that's the question. He's getting of, better, like, then. He's getting better, but he's also getting older. Like that's that's just what it is. So like, it look big men. It's it's a hard, in my opinion. As big men get older, it gets a lot harder than versus someone like Ben Simmons, where you could say, like, look, we are just put him on the perimeter and he'll just play defense. I think it's a little bit easier for someone with his body type to play the way that he does for longer than it does Embiid, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, but you got to keep in mind that Embiid is only playing at 69% right now.
0: Have we seen him at 100?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh... Let's move
0: on to Rapid Fire. Rapid
2: Go. Fire. I'm sorry. I was just so blown away by this last five minutes of conversation about trying to trade Ben Simmons. I just I can't. <laughs> um. So for this week's Rapid Fire topics, the first one that we wanted to talk about was Vince Carter retiring. Um John, what are your thoughts on Vince Carter finally calling it a day or a career?
0: He's a legend. I mean, when you when you think about guys played in 3 decades, um it's sad to kind of see him go, but it's it's time. Uh if you've been a fan of basketball for as long as I have or even longer, when you think about the 2000s, there's three players that really come to mind. There's Allen Iverson, there's Kobe Bryant, And there's Vince Carter and Vince Carter is just one of the last guys that being in a dunk contest used to be an honor. It used to be like it was an honor to be selected to compete against the best dunkers in the NBA. And it was something that like you were you were keen on. You know, you look at it where you've got um, Kobe Bryant that participated, Michael Jordan that participated, Josh Richardson was a great dunker that participated as well. and now. Vince Carter's Jason really like Jason, you know I'd say? Jason Richardson. He was a great dunker. Josh he won it twice.
2: Mediocre everything in the NBA.
0: But he was, but he was really, he was a great dunker. That's the thing. Like, I think he won two slam dunk championships back to back. So when you think about like Vince Carter's the last, pretty much all-star that you would really think of to compete in the dunk contest and win. And he had like one of the most transcending dunks of all time. The guy stuck his arm inside of a rim and hung there. And just watching it when it, when he did it at the All-Star game was an awe. Like how some people say when they saw Jordan jump from the free throw line and dunk, like that to me was like the definition of like our dunk for our generation. Mm-hmm. Like like if, if somebody would be like, oh, I could dunk like Vince Carter, you'd be like, bullshit. There's no way that you could dunk like Vince Carter because it was so legendary. Uh, he was a guy that most definitely showed you what it was to grow out as a classy veteran, even though he wasn't getting the minutes that maybe he thought he sh- he could get because he's older. Um, He showed you how to exit with grace. He showed you how to be a mentor. And he showed what it was like to be a legit veteran in the NBA and how to do it classy.
2: All right, Radu, what are your
1: thoughts? John, I think the point of rapid fire is uh, to say a couple sentences. <laughs> It's so Vince my thoughts. Let me let me show you how it's done. He is a legend. Number one. Number two. He's like the greatest athlete that we've that we've had. Um, and the like up until Russell Westbrook. Um, number three. I feel like he could have retired about five years ago. He really hasn't been a starter uh, since he was like I don't know thirty five, and he's like almost forty five now. Like for as great as he is, uh. Like, I've I've watched him in Atlanta, man. Like, it's nice. People, like, you know, you're seeing a legend. But also, it's, like, way past his prime.
0: I mean, I saw Shaq in Phoenix, but, like, I wasn't going to be, like, oh, he should have wrapped it up. Like, look, it's still just the name of the person and just being able to say, I saw them, right? And, like, look, I would have loved to see Vince Carter as a young kid. But I didn't get to, other than TV. But, again, legends are legends.
1: Joe.
2: Yeah, I mean, I side more with Radu. I just, I, I'm glad that he repaired his image after being one of the very early people to try try to force his way out of an organization, and multiple organizations. And sure, he captured our imaginations with uh, bringing back the dunk contest and, um, really just giving Kenny Smith like more of a career at ESPN by just yelling it's over for like the next ten years, basically. So yeah good for vince carter i guess um i mean i enjoyed watching him as a basketball player but yeah it was it was a long drawn out last five years um but i hope it's a good model for the youth in terms of how to you know prolong your career if you want to do that um the next topic we want to talk about is the knicks hiring worldwide west um talk to us about that john
0: I know like Stefan Marbury is like super against them, but I think it's a good hire. I think with his connections into the NBA, I think it makes a difference. Um, he's really well known, not even not only in the basketball circles, but also in hip hop circles as well. He's got a lot of shout outs from Jay-Z in a lot of his songs. But I think that it's, it's a good feeder system if they're trying to use it for rock sports. Um, I know he's close to... Is it Derrick Rose? I believe Derrick Rose, especially when he was in Memphis and Calipari, and he's got connections to some of the best college head coaches. So I think for an organization that's struggling to find talent or to evaluate talent over the years as the Knicks have been, I think having somebody that has the ear of some of the top college head coaches and those type of connections could only help the Knicks, especially going forward.
2: Roddy, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, I think I kind of agree with that. I think, like, really, the what the Knicks do is they they hire a big name, right? Um, and that's partially what this is, but I think of image. What's more interesting to me is going to be, like, what they do with the coaches after this. Um, and I think they're going to take this a, a similar approach, and they're going to get Jason Kidd. Um, I think that that's, that's who they're eyeing, and I know that they're interviewing a lot of people, but that's going to be my pick for them. Um, Joe?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know who they're going to end up picking as a coach. I still think it's going to be Tom Thibodeau at the end of the day. But, um, I mean, I think the hiring of World Wide West is good, you know, um, as usual. um, It's kind of up to James Dolan just, you know, not getting in the way of the organization he owns. To his credit, he mm-hmm. did um take a little bit of a step back this year. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, the moves that the Knicks make um, in the next year. Or so cautiously optimistic. Um, and for our last uh, bit in rapid fire, we want to do Pistons Corner, um, as you know, people who grew up in the metro Detroit area. So last week, we talked about uh, Weaver um, being the first uh, GM, or not the first GM, but the new GM for uh, the Detroit Pistons. And just uh, a few days ago, it came out that Weaver's first move as GM was he signed Justin Patton. Uh, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with Justin Penn, he was uh, drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder um, just a couple years ago in the 2017 NBA draft, 16th pick. Um, his career hasn't really panned out too much. He's only played in nine career games, averaging I believe 1.8 points per game, 1.2 rebounds, shooting just 36.8% from the field um, and, you know, doing better in the G League, but also, you know, that's the G League. So yeah, guys, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this signing?
0: Rodney, I'll let you go first.
1: Um, I think people might be uh, like blowing this uh, out of proportion here. I think he's a good young player. Um, I think we definitely need a center um, with the the trading of Andre Drummond for basically nothing, um, and I think like Thon Maker is you know just a guy. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't think this will ne- necessarily like replace that. Um, that, like, hole in our roster, but I think it's going, like, I think he shows potential. I think it's great to see a big man that can, uh, you know, dribble, pass, and shoot, um, and and just kind of, like, provide more than just, you know, posting up, dunking, and, and that type of stuff, so I think getting someone like this, um, you know, obviously really cheap is, you know, it can only, it can only help, um, and especially since he has that connection with Weaver, he must have, uh, like, seen something in him that you know, maybe he'll be able to like develop into a, a decent role player. John? John. Um
0: Question is outside of what Joe told me who? Like it's it's nothing. Like it's I guess if you're trying to, you know, cut off cut down on the books, like sure, this is good. I just see him just being a two way contract guy. Um or maybe just always being in a G League affiliate, but it's nothing big. Um not super excited. I know he's got a shed cap. Um not super excited for Weaver saying like Blake probably is trying to be our future, but uh, we'll see what he offers. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, run him over with the car, but uh, the street's right there. So.
2: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, I will not say anything in support or against what John just said, but I will say that, um, you know, at least the Pistons are collecting assets, right? Young assets at this point. And um, I think the, The sort of look forward is a little bit more optimistic than the last decade. At least the Pistons are seeming to rebuild. And part of the rebuilding process is bringing in young assets, right? Um, And just basically seeing what they can contribute. So, again, cautious optimism for it. I don't think it's going to hurt them. Um, Hopefully not, at least. All right. And the last segment uh, of the show before we wrap up is um, rather than Netflix recommendations, we all decided to watch one of John's recommendations from last week. We all decided to watch the first episode of Floor is Lava. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with this show, and I don't blame you after watching the first episode, it is basically a show on Netflix where participants, teams of three, try to get across a theoretical field of lava so think about when you're in you know grade school gym and you're just trying to traverse you know this like imaginary lava netflix built a like living room studio and basically has fake lava and they have to like go across this field Um, and the winner of the people who do it Uh, successfully and getting the most amount of points, which is a combination of time and number of people who are able to cross the finish line, win $10,000. So yeah, I guess we'll lead off with John. What are your thoughts on this first episode after having watched it and also being the one to recommend us to go on this journey together?
0: I want to just say that this show is ranked number two on Netflix in the United States of America right now. So there are millions of people watching this show Dude, look fun.
2: at where the United States is right look, now. Look, like, look, 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 Everybody's is like exploding. The social atmosphere is fucking horrible. Look at who's the fucking <laughs> president. And you'll be like, America has a great way or it has a great sense of taste, clearly. Look,
0: people mm-hmm. are putting this on, whether it's a truck driver yeah. going across the United States or anything. But look, um, I think it's interesting. I think just the idea of like – playing this old school game. And just the idea of having to think, but think rapidly in critical thinking skills, trying to make it across this as teamwork. I think it's interesting because like, even from the beginning of uh, the first episode, like there's some people who just are like, just dive in and you're like, no, like that's not how you solve a puzzle. (laughs) Like it takes time and it takes forward thinking. And that's why like the people that usually suck are the ones that are just like, oh, let's just hop on this thing in the middle and see what happens. And you're like, I'm stuck. No shit, you're stuck because you didn't plan anything out. Like, it's just funny to watch people just make these horrible decisions.
2: Radu, what are your thoughts as someone who hadn't viewed a single episode and then this being the first episode you viewed?
1: Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Uh, John, you owe me 37 minutes back and another 10 for talking about it right now. That was just the worst. That was the worst time of my life. Uh, So first of all, let's talk about the contestants. They had twins with their mother, they had triplets, and then they had three pastors. Everyone was white. Who, like, who do they, Who are the (laughs) options?
2: I I think the first family is, like, some form of, like, Middle Eastern, I would guess, by their names, right? Maybe. maybe.
1: But still, like, I just feel like, like, how do you have twins and triplets? in the first episode and then did nobody else want to do this like it it just seems like a really weird combination of people first of all second talking about like the puzzles there weren't really any puzzles man everyone solved all of them the same there was one guy that like backtracked a little bit because he didn't want to like think about what would happen once he actually got on the, the, the big i don't know like skull thing or whatever it was I just feel like one of the triplets described it best when he said, "This looks like a failed museum." It looks like a failed museum. That's what they made. That's what the show is—a failed museum. Like no one's playing the floor is lava anymore, man, for a reason. Nobody wants to watch this.
0: Those contestants, however, were...
1: it was funny watching some of these people like jump. Like at, one of the twins jumped from one box to the other, and he landed on his knees. Just destroying his knees, like, of all of the things. And then the mother, like, just belly flopped onto a big stone. Like, that was hilarious just because it's so bad. It's so bad.
2: She didn't just There's belly flop. She, like, fucked up her chin. She, like, landed yeah. on her chin.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I think another guy, like, headbutted, like, one of the the structures when he, like, jumped for it. It was, like,
0: yeah, just so. entirely
1: landed on his head. Just yeah, terrible, yeah. man. And, and, and the and, triplets? Also, yeah, yeah. The triplets, when, uh, like, at, at the very end, they were trying to make it. The guy, like, hits his hand. I'm pretty sure he broke his hand because it was, like, on yeah. the stairs, landed only on his hand. Like, there's no way your hand's fine after that. Just just awful. Just awful. Jeff?
2: Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not going to lie, John. Um, I am definitely, you know, a millennial who overvalues his time. And just, like, I try to fill my time with, like, important shit. And oftentimes it's way less important than I think it is. But, like, after watching this, like, I'm worried about you, John. Like, if you're, like, thinking that this is, like, proper entertainment. Or if you think this is, like, a way for you to, like, unwind from a day. Or, like, like this shit, like, degrades your mind. Like, it makes you, like, go backwards in time. It regresses humanity and you're just like watching this shit and i don't know man i just like i had to like go turn on npr to like start thinking again
1: you know what i mean like just to like welcome (laughs) i wonder i wonder if um you would have thought that Embiid is more tradable than ben simmons had you not watched this floor is lava episode
0: no (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I would watch this if it was like NBA players or like celebrities doing this shit, but it's just like the character development was so bad. It was just like, like the trip, like the, not the triplets, uh, the twins with their mother. It was just like the whole time is like, you know, basically oh, mom's embarrassing me. And it's just like, you know, nothing about these people beyond just like very surface level shit it's just like, I don't care about these people. Like, honestly, after like the first round, I was just like, I could have put it on mute because it was just like so boring. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, I love watching people just I mean, it's like it's a tamer version of jackass. Right. Like to a certain degree, like just people just injuring Mm -hmm. themselves, not as bad as jackass, but like it's just like. Why would you, like you said, why would you jump like that? Like, why would you jump to the point like you mess up your knees? Like, why would you do that? Like, anybody with common sense would be like, no, don't do that. But he was like, I got to do it. I
1: think think it's more like uh, America's Funniest home Home Videos than it is Jackass. And I didn't like that either
2: no both america's funniest home videos and jackass are like funny and entertaining right like this (laughs) wasn't like at least like america's funniest home videos and jackass have creativity this was just like again after the first team goes and then they basically all go the same way and then it's like oh let me use the painting that was clearly laid out at the front as a bridge and it's just like they're doing the same thing and it's like why am I watching 37 minutes of this? You know, like it could have been like condensed into like a five minute episode really at the end of the day. Right. It's like, just show me like footage of like, you know, the mom, like landing on her chin over and over for like 30 seconds. And then the twins doing the same thing or whatever sort of thing. All right. Anyway, so we'll figure out something else to watch next week. Cause God knows we're not going to watch fucking episode two of this shit. Um, <laughs>
0: Thanks, guys, for listening, and we appreciate all the support.
1: Yeah, please uh, rate and subscribe.